0: This is the sports show we've all been waiting for. Connoisseurs of sport features two sports enthusiasts who go beyond statistics to help you interpret the sports you love in new and refreshing ways. The Scout will help you spot players and teams that have the makings of true greatness without having to rely solely on fickle statistics. And the GM will help you understand how it goes on behind the scenes Translate into what happens on court or on the field. Get ready, because no one else does it like the connoisseurs of sport. Episode thirty-six. Connoisseurs, welcome to our tribute to Kobe Bryant. Right, the time has come now. now <laughs> Scout, we have been waiting for this. Yeah, I'm, we're yeah. coming out of the closet today, right? Well, I've never been in the closet in regards yeah, to COVID, Ryan. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't Yeah, think there's, nothing, sure. there's nothing to hide. There's well, nothing. We, we try to be even here, do we? And we're going to be even today, too, whether y'all like it or not. Are we? <laughs> so, uh, look, we have. Just five topics that will help us go through the legacy, the uh, greatness of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting for the listeners. Uh, We also, of course, have some links. So I encourage everyone to check them out. And then a little later in the episode, we will get to the start of the 2016 NBA playoffs. But this episode is Kobe's episode. That's who it is. All right. So let's start it off just with some general thoughts from you, Scout, and then we'll go into those topics. Okay. Um, I actually believe that Kobe Bryant is underrated. Oh. Okay. Um, what do you mean by that? Underrated how? Well, I mean, you can point to, and folks, bear with me here, because I know this is a junk list to throw at you, but that ESPN list that had him at 12, oh, right? and then you have some people. Um, these stat geeks, the efficiency argument, you get a lot of that talk. Yes. Um, And in that regard, I think he's underrated. And can I just tell you before you move on, this is not something we were gonna talk about, but since you brought it up, um five thirty eight dot com did a whole article on Kobe and statistics, which is interesting. Uh, yeah. we are not linking that in our show. I saw that one. Is that the one where they compared on the Michael Jordan's purely statistically? Is made, a different one this is this was one that actually talked about how he his career is inextricably linked with the uh improvements in statistics so they they went yeah, throughout okay. yeah right so this, I agree yeah this is not linked in the show notes to get everyone and that's on purpose and and I think um that's a good point because he Cody kind of came in a weird time yeah. But let me let me just say though, before you move on, yeah in that in that article, they talked about the support for why he's twelfth on the ESPN's list. Right. So if you're ever if you're wondering everybody where they got that from, it's an interesting link. But then five thirty eight of course goes beyond that. But all of that to say this I do not care about statistics. Well, again, the thing that makes it so strange for him is for a player um, that cannot be confined by statistics or defined by them pretty much at all, Mm -hmm. um, much like, and and to a much lesser degree, Allen Iverson was this way as well. Yes. um, Where they came in at a time when statistics were starting to you know we went from the they, they took from baseball of all things exactly and started incorporating those advanced stats in the basketball which i really cannot stand mm-hmm. um, and he kind of came at this time the post jordan era there was a vacuum um it was a lot of um fans who were offended by jordan leaving so they tried to junk the entire game <laughs> right. You had that going on. But uh, before we get into this, because we're going to talk about this, here's what I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Kobe, Bryant. Kobe Bryant is the most, in my opinion, devastating perimeter offensive player in history. Whoa. I'm not, again, we don't get in the best player in history and all that stuff because there's way too many variables. But just as far as destruction and devastation on the basketball court to the opposing team via offense. I don't think he has an equal. He's much like, and you know, I'm going to go into the. Uh, I'm watching Daredevil right now, and, and that's Netflix on Netflix. So, yeah, and he's much like the Black Sky concept to me. Mm-hmm. That's Kobe Bryant. Well, a lot of people don't know what that means. Well, that is—it's basically like a, a, an uncontrollable weapon, right? Yes. Right now, he's like a hurricane. I mean, you're not sure what he's going to destroy. <laughs> He's like the Hulk, <laughs> right? Right. It's just like so. And we're gonna do the Jordan, Kobe thing. But Jordan had it, it, Jordan was you know. Boy, he, wait wait, wait a minute. I'm gonna pause oh, you. Give it away. Yeah, let's not go there. i sorry. That's my opening. Let's just say that's me throwing a gauntlet down. That is the gauntlet being thrown. Yes, yes. The most devastating, influential as far as within a game offensive perimeter offensive player in history that's right so, position wise are you including you're including guards but are you including small forwards yes at, yes okay so the one two and the three yes not, fo- not consider those perimeter right if you yeah. want to go back to alex english and whomever however far you want to go back yeah Aaron, no one knows alex english there you go uh, scout well <laughs> uh, well right it, well, I don't want to jump the gun because we got Michael Eric Dyson's article to talk about the whole night. Let me set it up for you though, Scott. I am sorry. I'm you're sorry. Not, I, well, you know how it is. There's a lot Wait. of heavy lifting now. Let me do a little bit of work here. So we're not including the four and the five or power forward and uh, center positions in what you're saying as devastating right. perimeter. Okay, we got it. So now, first topic, Kobe's offensive skill set. Take it away. Now, we want to start with... Who he was influenced by. Yes. Which will tell us a lot. Fact and fiction. Oh, there we go. And by the way, everyone, every player in the league has been influenced by someone else. Even Jordan. Yes. (laughs) So how would you like to start that discussion? Um, okay, we know Michael. Michael. Michael, I was waiting for that. Heavy influence. Um, obviously. Now, the myth is that Kobe's entire game mm-hmm. was patterned after Michael Jordan. Beyond his game, the way he walked. The way oh, he walked. the whole nine. Michael Jordan yes. apparently spoke Italian, too. <laughs> okay. Had a, Pen- a Pennsylvanian accent as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone became a speech pathologist, too, by the way, at this time. He <laughs> talked like yeah. You know, exactly. it just, it, it was ridiculous. And again, this, I think Chris Rock years ago said this best. He was, he was like, look, we, we, we didn't want to see someone challenging Jordan so quickly. So we got offended. It was a threat. It was a threat. And speaking of threats, okay. If people really wanted to be upset about this, if it was a really legitimate beef about Kobe Bryant with respect to Michael Jordan and the game, no one was upset with Harold Miner. Yes, and who went to took it to the lips with the bald head and the tongue out? <laughs> the whole night. everyone. Now he was left-handed. You know, I guess maybe, well, they called. But they you, they called him Baby Jordan. Baby they called Jordan. It. Everyone loved it. Like, I just want you all to know that I was forged in the midst of Kobe Bryant haters. I was surrounded by them. Now, full disclosure, though, Scout, we were huge Jordan fans. I mean, look, loved it, him. Yeah, yes, lo- love Jordan, and still do. Um, so we we, to get a point where we broke out in sweats when they were playing against the Pacers in the playoffs. We were there. We were distraught. That's right. Yes. Now, so, you know, we're coming from fans of both. Yes. Um. And uh, but now let's talk about all of his influences because you're kind of getting into another topic here, Scout. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, of course, uh, Kobe was influenced by Jordan. But who else? Well, he had an original mentor, the logo, for those that don't know Jerry West. Hmm. And this is interesting, yep. isn't it? Right? It because is. A lot of Michael Jordan's game, mm-hmm. most importantly, the one dribble, two dribble pull-up, the quick pull-up game, was mastered by Jerry West. And also, um, Pete Maravich had... I mean, Pete Maravich could do anything on the court, but uh, Rick Barry kind of played this game as well. So, And this kind of leads into the Michael Eric Dyson article, right? Where yes. he talked about the influence of television and media, whereas... A lot of people or most people did not see the people that Jordan got his stuff from because the league wasn't big enough then. They were on tape delay the whole night. Everyone's heard the stories about how the NBA was covered prior to um Magic and, and, and Larry Bird, right? Yes. So a lot of people had not seen where Jordan got a lot of those moves and got the ideas and where those those seeds were planted. Because this is life, folks. Forget basketball. And and this is a this is a salient point. So just to underline it, the point is what the scout is saying, everybody, is this. Jordan's mentors, his influencers were not seen by the public writ large and especially not at the volume that we have today. So when Jordan came into the league, it was like, this is completely new. We've never seen anything like this before. Right. And then when Kobe comes in, it's like, oh, he's a copycat. We just saw that. Or, right. well, hold on, hold on. All basketball is lineage-based. All of it. Everyone steals from everybody else. So y'all can sit down on that one. And okay. oh, you build on it. And Michael yes. Jordan built on it. Whereas you had the, I think that he was the first person that, that – that, oh, not the first person, but he – on the highest level, combined athleticism and skill at that point, where yeah. you had both. Um, now, again, we could talk about his influencers, David Thompson, uh, Connie Hawkins, Dr. J, obvious everyone's seen clips and of him. And the you. old heads, you know, who were alive to see in the 70s, uh, the NBA would say uh, about Jordan, that's just Dr. J. That we was the that. original argument, right? Yeah, we heard that. Right. We were like, what are you talking about? Because we never saw Dr. J. We never right. saw- <laughs> right. On down to the hand sides where Jordan could, had supreme control of the ball because of the large hands. You saw Dr. J with a similar thing. Connie Hawkins to a lesser degree. Yeah. Connie Hawkins was more of a a, um, a playground legend because, you, again, you had the ABA. Again, remember now, you had an alternate league then that a lot, a lot of them played in. Dr. J came from the ABA. Connie Hawkins, no one saw his best or less people saw his best because he spent his prime years in the ABA. So, look, I'm not going to go through everyone here. Yeah. But you get the idea. And even Michael Jordan has a quote when people want to come to him. You, don't come before, to you before you say okay. that, no, Scout, one yeah. final thing on that point. Uh, and because uh, a lot of those uh, older players were on TV, but it wasn't in their prime. So right. that also helped Jordan where you would see them and go, oh, that guy's washed up. He's nothing, you know. Right. So, yeah, all of this plays into the Michael Jordan myth. Go ahead. And it comes full circle because people – See, Kobe Bryant now, who weren't privy to him, maybe pre-Achilles, some of the kids, who think Steph Curry's the greatest player in history. Don't, please. But I'm just making a point. Yeah. We're not going to get into the validity of that. But th- the thing is, you see, if you're a kid and you see Kobe now, mm-hmm. what are you going to think? Uh, well, we're going to, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yes, but, um, let me just read, this is the quote. Cause people always like trying to go to Michael Jordan and trying to get him to take a shot at Kobe, which is strange because he loves Kobe. Right. Right. But he said when someone tried to go to him and ask him about Kobe taking his moves, Jordan acknowledged that he patterned certain aspects of his game after Jordan after him, mm-hmm. but does not see that as a bad thing. Quote. But how many people lighted the path for me? Oh, question mark. Mm. That's the evolution of basketball. There's no way, underscore, no way I could have played the way I played if I didn't watch David Thompson and guys prior to me. There's no way Kobe could have played the way he's played without watching me. So you know that's the evolution of basketball. You cannot change that. End quote. Whoa. And that's exactly what we're saying. And anyone who knows anything about basketball knows that. Also, Kobe's influencers, don't forget Magic Johnson um, and and others, because when he was in Italy, everyone, if you don't know this, he would have tapes sent to him from his family here in the States of all kinds of players, not just Jordan. So, you know, that's how it works. If you want to be a great player, you have to emulate the greats. And the thing about Kobe is, Kobe will take from anyone and anything. Oh, yeah, and any sport. I mean, even soccer. Yes, soccer. He he has made comments about watching Animal Kingdom, I believe, and how cheetahs <laughs> use their tails. I mean, whatever that means, <laughs> how valid that is, we don't know. But <laughs> the point is, Kobe Bryant, first of all, is not arrogant in that way. Kobe Bryant. If all of you, you know, who want to boil him down to Michael Jordan, you all forget the he has street ball in his blood. Kobe had a street ball element to his game. Everyone knows he had the left the right, right the left, you know, the crossover before they outlawed him. If you, more people know Allen Iverson for it. Yes. Kobe Bryant, the story is Rune with God Sham God. If anyone remembers, streetball legend also had a cup of coffee with the Washington Wizards, I believe. Point guard. <laughs> okay. Taught him that the hesitation, you know, crossover, which got outlawed because they started calling it a carry, I yeah. believe. Um that was a huge element to Kobe Bryant's game. Okay, so where'd that come from? Yes. Okay. So I mean, look, I can go on and on about this. I cannot stand it when people do it. Don't do it around me. Yeah, and and Coach B. Shaw will tell you too how Kobe astounded him uh, by being the first, the fastest person he's ever seen go from practicing something and putting it right on the court. Right. After practice, so we we know this about Kobe. Yeah, but we got Tex Winter quotes. Tex Winter has said that. Tex Winter is uh, the famed in, uh, creator of the triangle offense. Uh, right. Uh, assistant coach under Phil Jackson for all of those years. Uh huh. Has commented that he probably thinks that Kobe's work ethic and that sort of thing exceeds Michael Jordan of course and the thing about this is the thing why people get so upset is because they take it as a knock it's not a knock it's not well see kobe's uh, had a singular focus on basketball whereas michael right. jordan michael jordan didn't and you know that's for normal people normal people have diverse uh, <laughs> right. have di- diverse uh likes and dislikes etc that kobe kobe is just about yeah he's basketball. obsessed yes he doesn't play golf yeah, he cool. Right. And see, the thing is also, this goes to who he is as a person, his background. He grew up in a bit of isolation, being in Italy with his father. So he didn't have the, you know, he came back to the States. You know the story. If anyone wants the full story, Roland Lazenby has a series of books. Um... Uh, one uh by bi- autobi I mean biography of Kobe, and then it's one called the show I believe about the Lakers situation with Kobe and Shaq and that entire thing. So yes. if you want some reading and some some reading on what went on behind the scenes, because Kobe's career is really really story based to me. Yes, more and- so than any other athlete I've been exposed to. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, Lazenby is L-A-Z-E-N-B, as in boy, Why? Uh, let's move into Kobe versus the rules, all of those changes. And these go together mm-hmm. because this is evolution, right? Yeah. Like we talked about Michael Jordan combining certain things we hadn't seen. Okay, maybe Jerry West and David Thompson together, just to give everyone an idea. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, as a result of the rules changing, now, I don't know if everyone remembers the illegal defense rules. They don't. They don't. Okay, so it started out, and I'll just make this brief. It started out, I can't think of the years here, but it used to be five zones on the court. Okay, mm-hmm. on, in the half court, just, they just cut it into five slices. Okay, and I believe, no, I know for sure, not a belief, um, that the, a defensive player could not cross two zones to pick up a player. So what does that mean? Like It means you had to rotate like a clock, baby. hmm Right? So if I'm an offensive guy, what do I do? I take my best player and put him on the weak side or even at the top of the key, as Doug Collins did with Michael Jordan. Right? And maybe I take a big guy who has a slow-footed guy guarding him and put him on the same side and run some kind of action. Right. I cannot rotate an equivalent player over there. So essentially one-on-one. Right, because what it means is a defensive player can't cut across the court to the other side to defend somebody, yeah. You can't can't load up either, whereas when when Kobe, you know, I believe, I'm not sure when they changed this rule, when they got rid of those rules to marginalize the elite player. Remember, this was the goal. Yeah, because – Juggernaut scores. Right, because not only with Kobe, there was Tracy McGrady, there was yeah. Allen Iverson and, and others. Vince Carter. Vince Carter, he yeah. wanted to stop this isolation dominance. That's why they did this. Okay, so what happened, and, and Kobe Bryant has many quotes about this, Um and he has plenty in the piece um, that Michael Eric Dyson wrote, but Tracy McGrady is also on record regarding this, who is probably... The, the second best player of that small, I mean, as long as he was able to achieve, you know, maintain his least status, probably the second best player, easily second best talent of that era or that time period. They said they had to pull their games out because of the zoning. Mm-hmm. OK, so let's say something that used to work in Jordan's era where we talked about maybe on the weak side. Right. You set it up a certain way. So even if you get a switch, you get someone hung up. It's a severe mismatch. Right yeah and okay. weak side to tell them what that means too it's just you know less people because you have five players on, on on the basketball court at once so you, you want whatever side has three players is the strong side and whatever side is two is the weak so typically you would put your best score on the weak side right. right maybe even iso them okay or put them at the top and do something what they call a four flat where they push everyone to the baseline and it's really a one-on-one game that's what jordan came up in yes and Doug Collins exploited that. Doug Collins was the precursor, obviously, to Phil Jackson, right? So, so and so in Jordan's era, it's really a mano a mano, one on one yeah. kind of game. It was easier to create that situation. Yes, which the league didn't want. After Jordan, they wanted to the marginalize again. The Allen Iversons, the Kobe Bryant's, the the, the 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 Glenn Robinsons. If anyone remembers him, the big dog. Yeah. Because because there were so many players who could exploit that. Evolution. Yes. And evolution. it's different from Yeah, it's different from the Jordan era. One of the many reasons why Jordan stood so tall in his era is that no one else was doing it that way the way he did it. He was before um, his time. Yeah, so, yes. Remember, he would see a Hersey Hawkins, who was what, all of six three. One of his greatest nemesis, Joe Dumars, was six four, right? Not in athletic. Craig Elo. Yes. And so forth and so on. So um, now, and again, in Kobe's era, the defenders were more like Jordan. See, that's the difference. You had the evolution. Again, let me, let me make this clear, okay? Athletic players, and we know the game is more athletic, especially post-Jordan because obviously he influenced the game. Mm-hmm. The easiest thing for an athlete to do is defend. That's where they're going to excel, Yes. Because offense is a skill game. Even though you're athletic, and you can get away with that to a degree, you're only going to get so far without skills and fundamentals. But defensively, I could take a guy that can't shoot a lick and throw and throw him on, on, on an offensive player, and he would be great. I mean, do I need to list the great defensive players of that era on the perimeter? Go ahead. Uh, Ruben Patterson, Bruce Bowen, um, the, the <laughs> all-time great, and I'm glad Kobe agrees with me. uh, uh <laughs> What's her bad name? Now I'm drawing a blank. Tony Allen? Tony Allen. Mm -hmm. Terrible. That's terrible. I'm sorry, Tony. Um, Rajah Bell was a very good defender then. Um, uh, Kevin Garnett, for crying out loud, at seven feet, could come out and guard you. Yeah, you had so many. Whereas, and, like in Jordan's time, it was like Gary Payton. <laughs> and, and remember the trouble Gary Payton gave him in the finals, right? That's what I'm saying. Gary Payton was the the daddy of all of those guys you just named, right? Evolution. So and what? Gary happened? Payton to give Gary Payton some credit too. He had an offensive game too. Oh, Gary Payton was a great player in yeah. my estimation. Easy Hall of Famer, first ballot. That's all-time right. great at the point guard position. Okay. Blame it on Gary, too. Blame, Blame it on Gary. Yes. And one of the great characters of the game. Yes. I don't know what he's doing these days, but I miss him on, on – What did he used to be all with Chris Webber? It, was, the, uh, it was NBA TV. It was NBA TV. I think now he's with Fox Sports or something like oh, that. Oh, well, I'm never going to see that. <laughs> okay, but now – so, that, so that's – we see that – from old school Jordan rules kind of thing. And uh, I'm glad you said that. Don't forget the Detroit Pistons pioneered help defense on the elite scorer. Yes. With the Jordan rules. Now, everyone says Jordan, the Jordan rules was just um, a street fight, but that's not what it was. And if you, if you look up Chuck Daly's quotes, he said oh, it essentially was a whole lot of help defense. So they revolutionized help defense. So everyone that comes after Jordan not only benefits from seeing Jordan, but the downside is you have to contend with what was created to stop Jordan. Right. Because that's going to evolve too. Exactly. As a result of this friction, I mean, we can get scientific on this too. As a result of this friction, the elite scorer evolves. So you get to- tr- Right. It had in order for Kobe Bryant and Tracy McGrady to do things similarly, they have to be better in regards to skills. Yes. Now, here's the rub on that. Let me just say this. Here's the rub on that, because oh, you're saying they're better than Michael Jordan. That's not what I'm saying, because here's the thing. If I had a time machine, and I always go to this, that's why I don't compare errors. I don't do it. If I had a time machine, went and got Michael Jordan at age twelve, okay, and brought him to the same time where Kobe Bryant was twelve years old. Right. Yeah. He would find a way to adapt too. Now, obviously, I would have to fill the vacuum that Jordan by taking Jordan out of his era. would let's assume someone else filled it. Yeah. Jordan would then have to react to the differences in defense. Right. Mm-hmm. So he would have to play from further out. Yes. Now let's pause here because you described fully what was happening during Jordan's time. But with the rule changes after that, what's the difference? Give us that. Well, for example, if you're on the weak side and you have the the two guys on the weak side and you're ready to go with your your best score and the guys can't rotate, they can't get there without breaking the rules, Mm -hmm. right? Once you get rid of those rules, where the only defensive rule was um, you couldn't have a guy in the paint for three seconds if he wasn't within arms' length of the defender. Some nebulous nonsense they made up, right? You yeah, and they, and they call seconds. it and they call it just as nebulously. Yeah, it's it's, it's arbitrary, right? Yeah. That was a strange deal. Um, but um, now what you can do, you can run all kinds of exotic defensive packages, right? Most notably, I remember um um Alvin Gentry, who at the time was coaching the Suns. Um, I remember an interview with him where they had defensive calls where they, there were colors and I believe blue was, they would run a big guy across the lane. Okay. So again, strong side, weak side. So let's say Kobe and I don't know. Uh, let's just say power soul. for us sake of argument. Okay. You put him on the weak side. Cause you want to run two men. Okay, the Phoenix Suns can take a guy from the strong side. Yes. Run him across the lane before anything happens. Sit him there and then zone the strong side. So you would say, okay, well, yeah, if they do that, they have three guys on the strong side and two guys on the uh, defenders on the strong side. Yeah, but you can zone it. Right. So what do you do then? And hey, what's the benefit of zoning there? Well, if you again, if you have three guys versus two, mm-hmm. right? That's all spacing. Right. Right? So, it, it, because it's compressed, and again, this is not today's era, okay, where you have these open offenses. Yes. Right? So, if the area is compressed, you can get away with two guys on three, especially, you know, depending on the skill set on, on the strong side. You know, let's not get into that. And that's because they're not beholden to one guy defending them. They defend, literally, yeah. the zone. An area. Right. Just like football. Yes. Okay. So, It's harder to overload, essentially. Yeah, that's excellent. Let's move into another topic. Mm -hmm. Why can't stats tell the Kobe story? This is the complex thing to explain. See, Kobe, to me... First of all, let me just put it this way. This isn't complex. Do people really think that if Kobe Bryant decided, hey, you know what, screw all this, I'm going to make all these stat people happy... And go out here and shoot fifty percent. You think he couldn't do that? I really am tired of this one. Okay, <laughs> I mean, this is the LeBron thing where he'll, you know, buy his time. Yes, you know, and take shots. You know that I de- definitely can make. I don't do the field goal percentage thing once you get at this level. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I mean, again, I, we talked about. But then they would say to you, and this is spilling into our next topic. Yeah. Well, Jordan, look at how he shot. He shot fifty uh, percent essentially. That goes back to the rules, though. Oh, it, and good. the caliber of defender. Excellent. Okay, keep going. Just yeah, I mean those guys, McGrady and Kobe, who are around the 46 percent mark when they were at their best. Kobe, Kobe, I think even maybe got the close to forty-seven at times. We're shooting. We're playing a lot in that deep mid-range. I'll call it mm-hmm. right twenty plus out to the three. Yes. Point line. Uh, I mean, shoot, Kobe led the league in scoring, playing basically 20 feet out one year. If you want to talk about the knee problems and things like that, and also, you know, playing against the defenses. Mm -hmm. I mean, so just obviously the percentages are going to drop. Even if you look at Jordan's career, when he played with Doug Collins, and as you move along and things change, the game evolves a little bit, right? Jordan's game evolves where he starts shooting more jumpers. His field goal percentage tails off. Does that make him a worse player? An inaccurate player? No. No, it makes him smart. And, uh, right. and another thing you threw in there, let's just highlight it, Kobe played through injury. That's a all, big thing with him. Yeah, all kinds of injuries. I mean, even in the Michael Eric Dyson piece, he recounts, uh, when Kobe switched the release of the ball when he had that, um, that broken uh, finger. Broken yeah, finger. yeah, he moved it to the middle of his palm, the ball, and used his middle finger and his ring finger to flick the ball. Right. I mean, so this is craziness, and, and we know the rifleman helped him with that, right? Yes, the, the great Chuck Person, um, who played with uh, Reggie Miller for many, 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 many years. Heaven forbid they played today. I know. With this league now. With the open offense. Open offense and coaches allowing the three-point shot like they do now. Allowing? Encouraging? uh, Yeah, yeah. Please, I think now if if someone uh, dunks the ball, they go, what was that? It was a three-pointer Yeah, it's inefficient. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So again, this I, we can have these conversations all day. Leave people in the era. I say it every podcast. Please stop it. It's too many differences. Can I throw in another thing in regards to stats and and them missing the boat? Absolutely. Um, first of all, with stats, let me just say this because we haven't mentioned it this time. Stats are tools. They are tools they do not tell you anything in and of themselves it's like any other data point Mm -hmm. you have to interpret them the other thing with stats is who created it if it's not just a a flat stat just a you know assists or how many uh, shot attempts who's the one creating these uh advanced stats they now call them and why do i trust you right way it's like, you know what, just to pull us, just to give an example, like if you look at the Steels leaders, a lot of people like equating, for some reason, defense to Steels. Yeah, and so, now Steels is not an advanced stat. It's just a regular stat. It's a regular stat. I'm just, just using that to make mm-hmm. it, keep it simple. If you look at the top five Steels guys, mm-hmm. okay, they're not great defenders. And we talked about this last episode. They're probably episode. below average defenders, right? Yes. So, What's that really mean? And this is the same. This, how are you interpreting these stats? Yeah, for the most part, they are. I mean, maybe the, the, the top five steals leaders, maybe the only one who's not subpar defensively is Westbrook. is Westbrook. That's right. I mean, we have the leader this season was Curry, of course. But uh also in that was, was it Redick? Was he in that list? Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio was in it, which I mean, really. Chris Paul is perennially in it. Again, the, the point is this. The, here's the point I'm trying to make. Okay, if I look at a stats list and some of the people on that list are mediocre players, I'm throwing your stat out. Right, because there's another explanation, which is, uh, you know, if you're not that great of a defender and your team doesn't require you to be one, you can gamble and that leads right. to higher uh, steals. Um, but let me just... to. Now come back to this other point with uh, the stats not telling the Kobe story. Um, there are natural tendencies, and then there are responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And Kobe Bryant, I think of any great player in the history of this league, has had the biggest clash between natural tendencies, what he wants to do, what his game is tailored for, right. and what he has been asked to do, his responsibilities. I'm glad you brought that up. That's yeah. a great point because Kobe was used as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, by Phil Jackson. Even Phil Jackson will say this. He, he, he has a quote where he said, "I never asked Michael to set the table." Yeah. Remember, everyone likes holding Shaq against Kobe, right? Yes. And Kobe was not able to play in the post for years. That's right. Shaq was in the hole. There was no open court scenario like Jordan played within the Doug Collins era. And if anyone thinks Doug, what I'm saying about Doug Collins isn't true, remember he coached Grant Hill when Grant Hill had those monster seasons too. hmm Okay. So there's something to that system. Now, you need someone to execute it, but still, there's something to it. It funnels statistics and numbers to the good to great player. But I digress. Kobe is a natural scorer who was asked to be a playmaker. Yes. Now, here's what I'll tell you all, and this is why it's so anecdotal with what goes on with Kobe. Everyone knows, or you better know, about the nine straight 40-point games and the four straight 50-point games, right? They don't know that. Say it again. All right. So... Say that again. What do what you want me to say? What's part of it? The uh, That whole streak. Lay it out again. Okay. So, Kobe Bryant, okay, has... A four-game streak of fifty-plus point games. Okay. Now this took place, and I believe now don't, don't quote me in two thousand to two thousand six, two thousand seven season. I believe, mm-hmm. and I think the oh two oh three season was the nine straight forty-point games. Now, let me just put this baby to bed by saying there's only one person that ex- that exceeds those streaks. It ain't Michael Jordan. No, it's Will Chamberlain, isn't it? It's Will Chamberlain, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing about those streaks. Anyone that understands or was really into the Lakers then and paid attention knows that circumstances forced Phil Jackson to open the offense up for Kobe to score because they needed it. Yes. So, here's the thing about me talking about him being the most devastated scorer, perimeter scorer in NBA history and why I elevate him over Michael Jordan as far as the score. And I'm not even getting into diversity and skill set. So what you're saying to me is when Phil Jackson said, all right, Kobe, listen, which is this is what he used to do in pockets of the season. We have a certain amount of injuries. Shaq would be out uh, in 0203. You had that when he was in and out with the toe issue, right? Yep. He yeah, had that toe problem. Mm-hmm. And then later on with the post Shaq, when he had the 50 point streak, you had a lot of people out. Lamar Odom, I believe was going through injuries. Luke Walton. It, look, don't. Now, Luke Walton at that time was a big cog in that team because it wasn't a strong team. <laughs> three Paul Gasol, right? So, what because of injuries and depletion of the roster, Phil Jackson would say, "Listen, Kobe," and you know it, it, it killed him to say this. Yeah. I need you to score. So he would open the triangle up, which means he would now have access to what a lot of a lot early offense, right? He wouldn't have to initiate where you would have what they called automatics, quick plays. He right. moved more into Jordan's role when he was playing in the triangle. Yes, and the thing is with Kobe, because he was a superior shooter, you could run kind of that pin-down screen game where he could pop off of picks and do that kind of thing. That's not that Jordan couldn't do that. It's just that Kobe would hit you like that. He could shoot you under the table that way. Yes. So in this case, in these cases, the offense was working to get Kobe looks. Mm-hmm. That is completely different. From having to score against an offense, an offense that's not designed for you. Exactly. So Kobe has was reigned in for almost his whole career. Yes. Reined in. Reined in. When he, when he averaged thirty five points a game, he was reined in. There were po- right. There were pockets in that season when he was not. A, they didn't open the offense. People don't understand that. Right. Right. I remember the eighty one point game? Everyone happened because they were down severely. Yes, half in that game. So you know, it wasn't like, oh, let me go score eighty-one. Um, now we've been hinting at this the whole time. Let's just move right into it and lay it out there. Kobe versus Jordan. Go. What? What? What do you ask? What do you want me to say here? Whatever you want. Oh, uh, we're comparing them. Whatever you want to do. All right, I'll say this about um, Kobe: um, more diverse offensive player. Um, better ball handler, better shooter, especially from distance. Michael Jordan, I'm going to say was better around the basket, had larger hands. Yes. And, Which um, means ball, what? Uh, larger oh, hands. Ball manipulation. Um, didn't turn it over quite as much. And, and that's reflected in the statistics. Um, are able to switch hands easier around the basket. Um, it's just the ball control thing. So, see, that's another thing about that forces you to play differently. It's what I don't get these people, right? And that also is the the link between Jordan and Dr. J. What yes. they can do in the, you know with the ball that Kobe had to change for his smaller, right. Hands. yeah, right, right, and, and and so again, Kobe's the more diverse offensive player. Um, Kobe has what I would call a higher top speed. Hence, 81. Mm -hmm. But throughout Jordan's career, he was more consistent, I'll say. But what about the people who say, wait a minute, Scout. If Jordan wanted to, he could have scored 100. Am I supposed to honor that with a response? (laughs) Well, what did uh, some unnamed source say about that? Oh, well, someone asked. Again, this is... We're really off the reservation with this. We don't do the unnamed sources, but so they asked a former player, um could Michael Jordan score 81 or 100? You know, again, they always trolling Kobe. Now, was, and, this a, was this a former player who played with Jordan? Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And the response was, he tried to. <laughs> <laughs> now, remember, remember, Michael Jordan averages more shot attempts per game than Kobe. He shot more. No. Now... Also, okay, let me let me let me just let me just go into this. Mm-hmm. Let's just go into Kobe's last game, the 50 shots. That that ridiculous amount of shots. Yes. It got him 60 at age 37 after an Achilles injury. Yes, among others. Uh huh. Right. Okay. There was a game against the Orlando Magic. I can't think of the year. I you know, I can't think of everything in the moment, but Michael Jordan scored sixty-four points. You want to know how many shots? I know, but you tell them forty-nine. See, no one. Michael Jordan has been immortalized. No one wants to bring up the real. First of all, <laughs> let me just back off of both of them because you gotta take them to make them. Look, yeah. Can we pause here because both of those uh, numbers are just ridiculous? First of all, to get up forty-nine of fifty shots, right. you're an amazing person. Let's just talk about getting the shots up, right? <laughs> yes. That is not easy. First of all, no one talks about stamina, conditioning. Yeah. Right? Body control. The ability to free yourself for that many shots. First of all, that's what made Allen Iverson just an elite talent. Yeah. And mentality. Ment- the, men- yes. the mental focus to be able to do that in a game. Right. And, 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 again, this moves me into another point where we talk about efficiency. You know, you need to get these stat geeks. But there is an article. I think we'll link this about the Kobe assist quotes. Yes, sir. Right. Whereas they are so destructive. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan was this way as well, but you didn't have the same defensive uh, 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 application. So it wasn't as effective. Alan Iverson was big on the, for anyone that, that looks at Allen Iverson said, how's this guy shooting 41% mm-hmm. and his team with a cast of lesser thans make it to the finals and take a game off of that Laker team that only lost one. Yeah. Just that one. Mm-hmm. Let's just back it up to Allen Iverson. He was so destructive and disruptive to your defense. And that's the word disruptive. Disruptive, that your rotations were so out of whack that your big men would be away from the hoop. And it would create opportunities for offensive rebound. It leaves the glass open. So I believe Grantland posted an article. I believe it was a, a Harvard statistician. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll link to that. That came up with the Kobe assist because he led the league in points off of his misses for his offense. It was like this ridiculous efficiency <laughs> off of his misses, right? Yeah, because if you have two or three people running at a guy at distance, mm-hmm. wh- who's who's manning the glass? Yeah, and this is in addition even to the the assist where some statisticians will say that people it shouldn't be just the one pass to the person making the shot, but two passes. The hockey before, assist, yeah, the hockey assist. So, but this is different. well, you know, I hate that stat. You know, I hate assists. Yeah, I, I know that. There's so many things are go into it, but. but you do like team assists. Yes, yes. Team. Assi- if you want to look at how well a team's playing offensively, I may have said this before. Look at the everyone. You what you want to see from an efficient offense? and We're going kind of outside of Kobe here. Is is you want to see four assists on one guy, three on one, two for one guy, maybe one, another guy with six. Yeah, maybe that's your point guard. Then you have a guy with four. You want to see balance there because everyone's making plays. The ball's moving. Look at Golden State. Yes. That's how they play, Draymond Green and GM. You brought up a great point with Draymond Green's assists that jumped from last year to this year. Maybe like what four on average? It doubled, doubled per game. So there are reasons for this, folks. Yeah, and the great Greg Popovich, coach of the Spurs. That's the first thing he looks at: team assists. assists. Yeah, and I know I'm on solid ground. Whenever Pop, whenever I, I have a theory and Pop validates it, mm-hmm. I'm good. Now can we can we because we're going to move on to the last topic in a in a moment, but before we do to wrap up the Kobe versus Jordan to put on I nice... want to say one more thing yeah, let me about... ask you this though yeah, uh-huh, uh, maybe this will be what you meant, maybe not, but we'll get in that point, um, uh, but the Kobe versus Jordan, because we talked about their differences, but what about their similarities? Well, the post game mhm. And Um, who influenced both of them? That's when you can't, so you can't win with the, you know, people that are Jordan sycophants. You can't win with that because there was Akeem Olajuwon. You can't act like Michael Jordan invented post-play when the Nigerian nightmare, as he was called in the, I believe, late 80s, early 90s, had the dream shaking and reverse pivots and things like that, the up-and-unders mastered. Jordan didn't invent that. And ironically enough, who did Kobe Bryant seek out to improve, to take his post game from being elite to super elite? Akeem. Akeem Olajuwon. And Akeem, I think two weeks ago, had a quote about Mr. Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And he said, no one that I've ever mentored or coached, I'm paraphrasing, has taken my lessons and used my moves as well as Kobe Bryant. So I have to ask you, Jordan people, if that's the case, where's the argument? Well, can we call them Jordan-only people, please? I'm Jordan a Jordan. On. Yes, because I'm a yeah. Jordan guy, too. Yeah, yeah we're, we're Jordan right. people. You're right. We are Jordan. I don't want to get that mixed up. We are Jordan people. Yes. We Look, we fell in love with the NBA via Jordan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, look. Akeem Elijah wants a part of that, but I would say the post-game, the mentality is similar as far as I will eat your children, eat your children, eat your children. I bring up Russell Edgington all the time from True Blood. Yeah. Where they will do anything to get the win. Yes. not concerned about – there's a lack of vanity in what they do on the court. Mm Mm-hmm. And And, and a lot of people would say, no, but there's so much vanity in it. No, 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 no. Well, on one hand, there is. Not they're not on the court going, Oh, this is gonna look good or oh, right. let, let me do that. No, they're on the court going, I want to win. Win and that's gonna look good in the long run. Right. That's where the vanity is. But how they get there that's why you'll see games where Michael Jordan—I remember famously—I don't know if it was the Knicks. I think it was the Knicks shot maybe two out of twenty-two one game in a playoff game, but they won, and he kept shooting. And that's the thing about Kobe and Kobe and the air balls when he was young. Yeah, right. or even Kobe going out. People, go, why does he keep shooting? Yeah, he's trying to win. Okay. Any final thoughts on this topic? Just the one reading. thing. We, mm-hmm. we just to back it up a bit, and I'll, I'll make this brief. Um, the reason Kobe Bryant was kind of pigeonholed in the playmaker role, and I think even Phil Jackson will, will cop to this, is because of the skill diversity. Yes, it's Kobe like Kobe was so diverse, and this gets into this just substantiates what we were talking about when I say, I put it. He, I've never seen. Um, that much game in one player when it comes to Kobe. So what happens is the coaches look at him and go, oh, you can do all this stuff. This is what we need from you then. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in a way that hurt him. It does, yeah. It's like this, everybody. If you can play the saxophone and you can paint landscapes and you can act on stage, right? You have those three skills. Uh-huh. The best one is acting on stage, but you find out that you can work by painting and right. saxophone. So no, you never get to do what you're best at, right? Right, and 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 then people go, but yeah, I mean, let's compare you to other great paint- painters. He's no man go, right? I mean, well done, GM. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I contend that look, you didn't see what Kobe could have done. Over the course of a career. Because you, of the reins that were on him. He was reined right. in. Y'all, listen, I'm telling you, you didn't see it. We can go into all the games he was pulled out in the third quarter and had 50s at Memphis. Okay, 56 and three quarters. Dallas. Dallas, 62 and three quarters I and can't, outscored can't. Dallas. Look, yeah, I believe you'd have had more than one 80-point game. Hey, Now, let's take that right into this perfect segue. Kobe's legacy. Um, Now, we know the the dominant players in the league right now love them some Kobe. Yes. And we have a link about that uh, that Sean Powell wrote. Uh, Go ahead. What are your thoughts on his legacy? Well, a lot of them will say he's he's our Jordan. Kevin Durant has gone on record. And interestingly enough, the Michael Eric Dyson piece, folks, focus in on what Kevin Durant says about Kobe. He has some great things to say. And it's very similar to some of the things we're saying, even regarding Michael Jordan. Kevin Durant proves in that article what a student of the game he is, how astute he is yes. about playing basketball. Go ahead. Right. But um, Kobe's legacy, what the generation you see now, first of all, in the NBA, and even it, it trickles down to college because we saw Buddy Held, Right. Yeah, but healed, yeah, mm-hmm. healed, right. Number twenty-four for Oklahoma. That's his guy. So you look at the guys in the league now, okay, and you can see the influence. Um, um, Booker, I can see it. Just the way he moves, the way he plays. Yeah, and that's Corey Booker of the Phoenix Sun. I mean, Devin Booker, of the Devin, Phoenix. Uh, right? Phoenix Sun, um, and so forth. And so, I mean, you can uh, Wiggins, um, Anthony Wiggins for mm-hmm. Minnesota, and you know, it, it's a ton of guys. I really can't do it justice by going one for one with the names. But the one thing I've even learned from this farewell well tour Mm -hmm. is the influence a little isaiah thomas from the boston celtics and also you saw or what came to light was how much he conversed and helped other players and we didn't know it yes mario Chalmers of all people had a quote recently about how when he got injured i don't know what his injury was but kobe reached out to him and he'll always be grateful for that see he and that's why when you call kobe arrogant you are so wrong Yes. and it's, it's such a it's such a vile accusation now mm-hmm. he's had things in his career that would also stem that tide if he was he's been humbled. Yes, he has. Yes. So, but it, but I mean, but arrogance. Just to make it clear, arrogance is when you have a higher opinion of yourself than what is actual. That's at least our definition, right? Yes, that is if what people, we're saying. You are arrogant. Don't work that hard. Right. There, there's a difference between being arrogant and confident. Confident yes. Is knowing exactly what you can do. If you happen to be the best in the game and you know it, that's confidence. Right. If you're not the best in the game, but you believe you are. That's arrogance. Go it's ahead. like Tracy McGrady. As much as I love him. Mm-hmm. I believe was a little arrogant mm-hmm. because he said, my gifts are so great. I can step on the court. Maybe I don't work so hard oh, because he was in and out with his work ethic. Yeah. Okay. That was a little bit of arrogance there. And he paid the price. He paid the right. You, I believe you'll pay for arrogance. Yeah. He paid the price for that. Especially when you're on center stage like this. And for two decades, And this Aaron Aflalo did an interview talking about Kobe, whereas you got to realize people were coming after him. Oh, yeah. The mouth. Yes. For, let's say, 15, 17 years. Because I ignore post... uh, I really, to be honest, ignore post-Achilles Kobe. Yes. You know, I mean, that really... It's unfair to look at the last three years to me. You really got to cut those out. Like, I don't look at the uh, Washington Wizard, Michael Jordan. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no. So, um... In order for you to stem the tie, all the challenges, all the people that the media and everyone, because they didn't like Kobe, elevated to the throne, <laughs> and he dealt with every last one of them. Right, and that's even that even is a part of the emergence of LeBron so early when. With yes. Them. Getting behind him. But let me just also note, and I think Michael Eric Dyson also has this in his piece. So everybody, again, basically what we're telling you is read this. Right. Whether um, you agree with him or not is not the point. That's not the point. No. Right. It's, yeah, there's a lot in there that's great information. And it's a nice summary. But what I'll say is he also mentions uh, when you know when the Lakers, the the let's say Kobe, the soul Lakers, were playing against the Celtics um and you know kobe had that hand injury we mentioned they were going after his hand it's things like that you know yeah. mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it things used to be yeah if we know you know it's kind of a hands off league we know that i mean that's not a kind of no question there uh, i mean i'm being kind but also what i will say about kobe is it has his major influence to me mm. is this generation has made what used to be maybe the difficult shot practical. Right. Even the, even you look at like what Steph Curry who does, you know, who has no fear regarding what kind of shot he takes outside the three point line, of course, (laughs) nothing's going on underneath it, but you know, outside of it, I think that is a little bit. (laughs) I think that he's more practical inside uh, underneath the line, but I think that is all Kobe influenced. Mm. The tough shot making, mm-hmm. right? Um, Which was, and, you know, Kobe's response to those elite defenders. Yes, and he yeah. will tell you that he said, "Look, I had to learn how to beat double teams." You, look, listen, it was, yeah. it was a necessity. And again, McGrady's on the record with this as well. That's right. Carter folded his tit when they started running defenders at him like that. She sure did. Yeah, and he I- started whining. I shouldn't say whining, but. He didn't want it. Alan Iverson wanted it. He went right at you. There you go. Right? Uh, and that's greatness. Listen, that efficiency is not greatness. I can't say that. I don't know how many ways I can say it. it's not. You can't, you can't quantify greatness that no. way. No. no. Uh, I have two more things and then we're done with Kobe. Oh, I the we... last thing: yeah. work ethic. I think this young generation works harder. Yeah, because. As a result. Uh, Yeah, because Kevin Durant tells the story when they were playing for uh, Team USA and and seeing, you know, old head Kobe Mm -hmm. practicing, you know, and going, what? You know, where are the rest of these guys his age? They're not around here. Right. Uh, So, uh, yeah. But so one one of two things, two final things. First one, the 60-point farewell game. Mm -hmm. What did that mean to you? That was the worst thing he could have done to me. <laughs> I wanted 12 to 14 points and bow out. Now, we said that this could happen. to stop it. Well, we said that again, it could happen. Again, going back to the Daredevil reference, the Black Sky, anything can happen with him because he can get his shot under any circumstance. Yeah. Greg Popovich has got our record regarding this. Even if you defend him, mm-hmm. he just rises up over the top. You know, he can't do that as much now. No. But for one game, one moment... Yeah. And and why, why are you saying that? Why did you want 12 to 14 points? <laughs> well, as he, post Achilles, as I talk about, it was easier to let go. It was, yeah. A lot easier. You know, it's like, you know what, Kobe? It's time. This year, you looked at him at times. Sometimes I would change the channel because I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I've seen the greatness. I've seen, you know, I I remember coming home every night with league pass and I live on the East Coast. So those were late nights throughout an NBA season. Yeah. Okay. I remember tuning in every night. And the thing is not knowing what I was going to get. And that's what I think I'm missing from the game today from some people. And what we value most is that I would turn a Laker game on. I had no idea what Kobe was going to do, but I knew I would see two to three things I'd never seen before. I knew that whether it be a footwork thing or a dunk thing or, 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 or raising up and hitting eight threes flat footed. And, and yeah, toward the end of his career, especially after the con- Achilles, he's not going to give you that. Um, right. but yeah, so, so what you're telling us is it made you yearn for more coach Yes. 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 It, was but, a, it was a tease. Yeah. But now here's the other part of that. How representative is that of Kobe, the basketball player, his career, Kobe the man? Yeah, that that was, it was a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Even, I think the game was a microcosm of his entire career. It really was. The shot attempts, the mm-hmm. ups and downs, hot, cold. Cause yeah. he's one of the great, as Hubie Brown said this a couple of days ago. Now, during that game, he's one of the great street shooters in history. Yeah. Well, he'll get hot. That's why people defended him the way they did. Because they said, listen, if we don't get on top of him and we get, let him get hot early, we're done. Done. There's no second chance here. Yeah. So if anyone watched the games against him, these defenders would be foaming at the mouth. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, that game was – it was the perfect it was ending. It was him eating yeah. the highs, the lows. Michael Smith on um, ESPN – Mm-hmm. Really had a, um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't do the ESPN thing. And I was at home and I saw he started talking about that game and I listened. And it, it, he said, that, you know, basically, I think he said it was something uh, perfectly imperfect, something like that. Yeah. Um, where, it, again, it showed the carnage, okay, he could mm-hmm. inflict right. on a basketball court. Yeah. It also showed some of the lows. Mm-hmm. or the age showed the Achilles. And then to cap it off, the clutch shot at 30 seconds left essentially the game winner where Snoop Dogg was going wild. I don't know if anyone's seen Snoop Dogg's reaction to that. <laughs> Snoop S- Lion. Yes, yeah, Snoop Lion. And here's the thing about it. It, it. To wrap, I think this will probably wrap it up unless you have something else to say. Mm-hmm. Kobe... To borrow from Phil Jackson, he said he always rises to the occasion. Yeah. And when there's an opportunity to deliver a moment, and Michael Smith made this point too, he delivers. There were were celebrities and performers of the highest caliber in the audience to see him. And he's the ultimate performer. And you know what? Everyone went to that game. Everyone that went, everyone that watched came away saying, man, was that worth it. Exactly. All all of that money they spent. Yes. It was. Yes. He will give you your money's worth. And that's one of the, the again, Jalen Rhodes has a quote about he's from the era where you didn't sit out, where you were healthy. It's all these things. Kobe Bryant, and to the arrogance point, always thought, listen, if I can play I need to play because it's maybe some kid out there that's never seen me play. Yeah. I need to get my butt out there if I can perform. Yeah, because this might, may be their only shot to see me. Yes, and that is really what I want to end with, with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, but my you're not going to favorite gonna get away. athlete of all time. Yeah, there you go. You're not going to get away that easily, though. I'm not. You pulling me back? Is he the GOAT? Is he the greatest of all time? It's no such thing. Is he the GOAT? Is he the greatest of all time? No, there's no such thing as the greatest. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Now, we can get in certain aspects of it, but no, there's no there's no such thing. But who would you choose as number one? I'm forcing you into this. There's would, no number one. Who would you choose, though? Now, we have stated that we're we're Kobe and Jordan guys, so let's say they're one and two in our book. Who would you put ahead of whom? I got Kobe. Mm-hmm. And, and I think your point is well taken where it's, At this level, it's about what you want, who you want to put there. It's not about being right or being wrong. what's important to me. Exactly. And, again, all of the skills, and he's the most skilled player, I think, at least that I've ever seen, and he has the most game, and that means better to me. He could shoot it out to 28, 29 feet, and I mean with, you know, like they, they attribute to Steph Curry, but anyone wants to go to YouTube, Kobe would pull that stuff too. It's one shot against Memphis where they run, they try to run a double team out at him and he, he pops a 28-foot-three. This happened, folks. Yeah. He and anywhere 28 feet in, footwork was impeccable, played in the post, put fouls on your Big Mac. Yeah, so – A lot of things have lost with the three-point game. Yeah, so let's just – let's end it right here. I can go on for days. Yeah, yeah. let's just – but let's just end it with this. We want to thank you, Kobe, Bean Bryant. Yes, we do. Uh, For all of the ups and downs, we've been through it with you, brother, from day one. And uh, we won't see anyone else like you. We know there will be future greats who, of course, will have been winged (laughs) on everything that you've done. And as fans of the game, uh, again, we appreciate everything you've done. And, you know, we're going to miss you. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Now, uh, we have one more segment, uh, Scout, that's coming up just to let l- the listeners know. A quick look at the early NBA playoffs, but we want to cap it here for Kobe because this is his episode. Yes. Appreciate you, Mamba. Well, here we are, Scout. The playoffs have begun. We talked about this last week before the seeds were settled. Now they have been, and things have changed. Yes, they have. Let's just go in order of the games that have been played so far. We started uh, yesterday. So, everybody, this is uh, Sunday, the 17th at night. Uh, Mm -hmm. We still have Portland versus uh, the Clippers. They're going on right now, but essentially that game's over. So... Well, well, yeah, we'll just, get to them. Let's let's start with um, Indiana at Toronto. The first huh? the first matchup to get going on Saturday during the afternoon, and Indiana came in and and beat Toronto at home. Thoughts? Well, Paul, it was the Paul George show, and mm-hmm. um, you know we talk a lot here about the star concept. Yes. And Paul George came in and really controlled that game in Toronto. Um, controlled tempo. Made the right plays. Um, knocked down some tough shots. Really played that star role. And and what's the importance of having a star in the uh, playoffs? Well, what I call flat-footed offense. They can generate meaning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, meaning they don't need help. Yes. Okay. um, They can score or make plays off of the screen roll. That doesn't mean come off and jack up a three. They -hmm. can work the screen roll, find open people, um, are really uh, strong in the mid-range. And Paul George showed you every bit of that. And not only that, he also defended DeMar DeRozan, okay, mm. mm-hmm. and, and held him into a really tough, a really poor shooting uh, day, night, whatever you want to call it. Um, day, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it maybe he was 5 out of 19 or something like that. He And on to Toronto, we know they have issues in the playoffs. This, I believe, is the third year in a row. But, yeah, yeah. Well, they had, again, this is only game one, but it was a rough start at home. Yeah, the, the, the previous two playoffs, they have not done well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some uh, friction with uh, Dwayne Casey, I believe, and some maybe a little bit of some finger pointing um, in the locker room in previous years. So um, game one is not going to help that. Uh, so we'll see what they're made of. Um, but that backcourt who carries them, basically, that's Kyle Lowry, the slim down Kyle Lowry. And um, DeMar DeRozan um, really let them down in game one. So we'll see. And, again, Paul George playing both ends, masterful performance. Yeah, we're done with this. I mean, yeah. we don't. Hey. <laughs> uh, but, uh, look, the question is when crunch time comes, who are you going to give the ball to? Yes. Indiana has an emphatic answer to that question. Right. Who uh, could get you a bucket? Next was uh, Houston at Golden State. Uh, obviously, Golden State let them have it. Yeah, there was a beatdown. Steph Curry was injured in the third quarter, correct? And um, it was the second quarter, maybe? Sec- end of it. it was, yeah, it was I, the third, whatever. One, something like that. Yeah, I think it was uh, beginning of the second half. Whatever. Um and, you know, we have to hear about his or, or some made-up record with him playing under 20 minutes and scoring uh, over 20 points or something, 24 points, and the first person to do it since Ray Allen in 2013. Stop it. Stop the troll. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that drives us nuts with the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry. Um, it. It's stuff like this that's really just, who cares? Yeah, so um, Houston squeaked into the playoffs um, and they they're not going to squeak out they're going to be kicked out because (laughs) um Dwight Howard is an embarrassment and James Harden you know James Harden to me needs to be coming off of the bench like he did early in his career when he was playing in Oklahoma City uh that way he doesn't have to guard uh better competition and he's not guarded by better competition he just works better that way as instant offense off of the bench um, and at it, least in the postseason, right? That's what I'm talking about, and that's when it counts. I don't care about your regular season nonsense. Yeah. I'll say it again. I don't care about the regular season. I will draw conclusions based on the postseason, and then we can look at the regular season through that lens. So, well, and, and just to, to that point, this is just yeah. a case where we talk about it all the time. When a team can, can game plan and focus on you, yeah. Um, do you have – uh, diversity in your game to defeat what they throw at you, right? Um, so you look at a guy like that who was a monster regular seasons versus a guy like a Paul George who is probably just a more versatile scorer, meaning he can play over the top of you, as in shoot over the top of you. And like I said, what I call that flat-footed offense. Um, he can just generate his own stuff. Whereas James Harden just seems to struggle sometimes in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, there's no point in even continuing to discuss this. Moving on. No, uh, I think the broom's coming out for that. Mm -hmm. The broom has already been out, they just don't know it. Uh, Boston at Atlanta. This was a squeaker. Atlanta won at home by one point. Yeah, um... Boston started slowly. Yeah. Um... They had a lot of guys that were not shooting well. Uh, Crowder was pretty much terrible. Uh, really all of them. I mean, I can go through the list except for my man Isaiah, who was in distribution mode. I believe yeah. we watched that game for maybe yes. three source of the game um, before he decided to attack. Very similar to their game in Golden State where he didn't do much in the first half, came out in the second half and kind of um, – Started playing to his, his ability. So um, that's going to be a close series, I believe. Now, Avery Bradley got injured. I, uh, they're saying it's a hamstring. Um, and he plays for? Boston. He's their two guard. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be interesting to see if he um, is going to be able to play up to a certain level. Uh, it doesn't sound good. Right. Um, so that's going to hurt them. So we'll see. Um, that. But that is a close series, I believe, as far as the teams are concerned. I think it's going to depend on whether the coaching staff of the Celtics allows um, Isaiah Thomas to score. Uh, That's just the bottom line. I know you want him to set up the offense, but he's your best offensive weapon. So, you know, this is the playoffs. You've got to be at home. Now, you can have your philosophy all you want. Your philosophy will have you on the couch watching others play. Uh, Atlanta, to me, is attackable. They can lose, like you're saying, to the Celtics if the Celtics really want it that bad. So, yeah. Uh, next was Dallas at Oklahoma City, a complete blowout. <laughs> I mean, Dirk Nowitzki did what Dirk Nowitzki does, and no one else on his team, uh, except for who? Vent? Who? Who else on that team? I played well. I yeah. don't know that anyone else did. <laughs> uh, I know JJ Barea was injured, I believe. Yeah, um, but they were a mess. Um, Dirk Nowitzki was out here playing, like you said, out there playing in his own world. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if there's much to say there. I that's just not a good matchup. Yeah, it's a really bad matchup. They cannot exploit anything. No, they have no that, advantages. Yeah, that the Thunder is doing. So th- those were the those were the Saturday games. Now let's move into Sunday. We started with Cleveland, okay, Detroit at Cleveland. Cleveland wins by only five, but it's a win is a win. Um, Your thoughts? That was interesting because all three of Cleveland's uh, big three air quotes Mm -hmm. um, played well, which you don't see. Yeah. Well, stat-wise. There you go. They, they played well. They, they, they and played. the officials played well along with them. Well, you know, you, you got your, your, your usual slot ball play from LeBron James. Um, Stan Van Gundy, you know, was trolling in the postgame. <laughs> but um, I would like to talk about Reggie Jackson. Yeah. What is he do- dominating the ball, chewing up the clock with the dribbling? And he's not that dynamic off the dribble, where he can get away with that for any stretch of time. Um, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Well, I just find it interesting that they only lost by. Se- now, again, a loss is a loss is the playoffs. So, yeah. yeah, okay, let's not read too much into it. But still, they were with they were in that game in Cleveland down the stretch before Reggie Jackson just you know lampooned everything. Mm-hmm. Um, So, uh, we'll see on that. I don't think Detroit has enough to hurt Cleveland. Yeah. Um, Especially with with Drummond's free throw shooting. I just think that really negates any advantage that they could have. That's do. Yeah. And and one thing I did want to say, uh, T. Lou, the coach for Cleveland, um, put Kevin Love at the five, um, which – creates a problem because he's going to float around that three-point line and Andre Drummond is not going to be accustomed to that okay so you're gonna have some late closeouts late reactions and you saw that today where you know Kevin Love was getting the three ball up and playing his perimeter game so yeah and then you know but the question for Cleveland question for Cleveland moving forward is going to be how long is that going to work um moving on yeah Charlotte at Miami, another blowout. Miami wins going away. Yeah. At home. What's to analyze there? <laughs> I, I don't think Charlotte can. I don't think Charlotte can lay a glove on Miami. Yeah. I just don't think they have it. Um, no, it's too, and it's just too much experience in Miami. Yeah. Um, moving on from there, perfect. We have Memphis at San Antonio, and of course, San Antonio with, with the blowout. Yeah, Memphis doesn't. They don't even have. They have way too many injuries. Um, no Connolly, Connolly. Yeah, yeah. Because Matt Barnes is in there, right? Yeah. Well, you got Lance Stevenson playing heavy minutes. Um, yeah, it's just you know, hey. <laughs> yes. So, but you know, the Grizz are the Grizz, and we'll move yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna try to grind you down. Yeah. Uh, but they ain't gonna beat the Spurs that way. No, they have no hope beating the Spurs. It's not even uh, fair. Not uh, even fair. Barring some kind of injury to three or four people. <laughs> yeah. So uh and that leads us right up to Portland at the Clippers. At this moment, um Scout it's five forty four left to go in the game and uh the Clippers are up twenty one. Well, 5.35 left now. Flipper's up 21. Yeah. And that, Portland's going to go down a game here. Um, that, I think, is the series I'm most interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not encouraging tonight, what I saw from Portland's supporting cast. And that that's everybody except for Lillard and McCollum. And McCollum, yeah. Yeah. Um, they are jumping Damian Lillard off of that screen roll mm-hmm. business, um, where it's it's a trap. It's a full-on trap. They want the ball out of his hands. Al um, Farouk Aminu may as well put on a Clippers jersey. What? A, um, oh my goodness! It's, it's some of the most disgusting basketball. I, again, we look. <laughs> this, out of this, look, this three-point shooting. I'm telling you. And you know, actually, that series is not bad to watch because I. I It's not a bunch of jacking the ball up from three. There is some ingenuity there with the offense. J.J. Reddick's playing well, coming off the curls. Yeah, Uh, curling right numerous times. And there's some crafty screen role play with Chris Paul and also Damian Lillard when he gets breathing room McCollum is a crafty player so I like that's the kind of thing we talk about where where there's some diversity in what's happening yeah sure is because I think at the half scout the Clippers only attempted two three-pointers right and that you know that that is a positive sign for me okay I again I'm not gonna beat you guys over the head with it again but the you know we just want variety. I mean every possession around. drive me up a wall. Now on the other end though on the clip is you have Blake Griffin who gives you no variety. It's like a bowl in uh three China shops. Yeah. I like to have it just, look. it's it's just it, it looks like a, a fight um between Kryptonians when he's playing. I mean he's he's <laughs> flying all over the place like someone punched him. <laughs> I mean, look I'm no Blake Griffin fan. I never have been. There's just no refinement to his game. Uh, yeah, he's a brute. Yeah, and that's and he does that on purpose, and he gets to the foul line right. with that. So you know, I understand the the tactics. Um, but yeah, okay. So we have that now. I would just say, uh, you know, Portland. Look, I understand that you have McCollum, you have Lillard, you don't want them always to play together, but I would like to see them together more on the court. I think that would make it harder for you to trap Lillard and or McCollum. They're going to have to come up with you know, something. They're going to have to break out of that screen roll offense to a degree, in my opinion. Maybe take Lillard off of the ball, which would require you to play him probably with McCollum. Uh, yeah. Um, because the other guys they bring off the bench are Crabb, and, and, and Henderson are really kind of scorer types. Um, they, they're not playmakers. So, but you're going to have to, I think, break out of that. Kind of do with Lillard, what you see Golden State do with Steph Curry when mm-hmm. they jam him off the screen roll, which is take him off the ball, run him off a bunch of screens, illegal screens in their case, and, and, and try to pop him open. Uh, <laughs> and get him in an advantageous situation. Yeah, because yes. just, just, just having him come up the court and run that high screen role is going to be tough because they're just taking it away. And and, and as for background, and again, this is the regular season, the Clippers have held Damian Lillard um, beneath his averages. And I believe it's like 35% shooting when they play him. So they're yes. an underrated defensive team in the first place. Yeah, um, and, and you know, starting with Chris Paul. Yeah, and Chris Paul is uh, I would call a committed defender, committed. Well, it's competitive spirit there, yeah. like, and really a lot of times with defense, that's eighty-five percent of it. Yes, it's it's the energy, and, and yeah. the other thing is this, Scout. I just think it's a bad matchup for Portland, um, it, especially when you get to the front court. I think that's where you have a yeah. lot of problems. It's a mess. You have you have Plumley trying to guard God knows who. And two left feet with him and in the post. yeah, he can't do anything on either end of the court. No offense. Um, and, and and they, they do play with a guy in the hole, so they don't play in open court style. That's what I'm saying. Even though they play with tempo. like, And that's what you're getting at, I know. Um, they don't spread it. You, you Look, you got DeAndre Jordan, you have Blake Griffin, and you just give it to them. Yeah. And, and they, you know, Portland has no answer, so um, yeah, you got Crawford coming off the bench for the Clippers, who can occupy McCollum. You also have Reddick, who's going to occupy McCollum, and Chris Paul is going to occupy Damian Lillard. And then you have, like you said, Blake Griffin, Deion, uh, Deion Jordan, um, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. I'm sorry. As far as is concerned, yeah, creates and, problems. And on the and you know the reverse is those the like we were saying, the Clippers guys can guard. Right, guys. you have a rim defender, obviously yeah. one of the best, in DeAndre Jordan. So, yeah, I, I don't. Barring Damian Lillard getting scorching hot and McCollum also coming in and maybe being able to put up in the middle twenties in the series, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I don't think they have enough. And, and Alfred Aminu needs to be shackled. Mm-hmm. Now, the one upset that we've had again is Indiana beating. Toronto, oh, right? Which is an upset by seed, but they do have the best player in that series. So, do you think that Indiana will win, win the series? I do. Yeah, and because now Toronto is going to have to win in Indiana, and look, we're going to go with who has the gu- the guy who can come down and say, "Give me the ball, I'm yeah. gonna make this shot here." And again, he's dominating on both ends. So he's not only putting. Well, again, that was game one. But he's not only scoring, but he's also shutting down their one of their best players, probably one to be in their operation on offense, Demar Derozan. Um, so yeah, he, Paul George is dynamic, um, a dynamic player. So it is what yeah. it is. There, and and, one and, other we, and again, to supplement that, we know that Toronto has issues in the playoffs. So. Okay. And one other thing. Um, the other series that could flip-flop, Atlanta and Boston, you think Atlanta's going to pull it out? They did win at home. I do. I do. I think there's a, a healthy amount of experience there. i got to expect Kyle Corver to play better. I don't know why. Because he's not been playing well. He didn't play well the previous postseason. True. But 0 for seven, what was he? 0 for seven from 30? I don't even want to look it up. It was not pretty. Yeah, it, but I mean they have Al Horford and Millsap who are veterans. Uh, you know, I mean to the the quintessential veteran. Yeah. Okay, I would call those guys. So, and, and again, I, I just don't see it um, as much as I like uh, Isaiah. I, I just think Atlanta outlasts them. Yeah, and and you I'm, know for for Corver, I will give him this. He kept shooting. <laughs> he did not. Stop. Well, you got to, yeah. yeah. You, look, that's the job. Yeah, he kept getting them up there. Okay, so you know, may, maybe Indiana, like we said, that will be the only upset via seed that we see coming. Um, you want, and you want, you, want, you want to, you want me to predict Golden State, Houston? Yeah, I know you're gonna. You think Houston's going to pull it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> here's here's a prediction. You think Steph Curry will be back for this uh, during this series? he better be back for game two. I don't look. He's questionable. Don't. Come on. Well, they don't need him. They don't need him to beat Houston. Anyway, let's end it there. So, Unless we, you want to talk about, well, you had that little dust-up in that series. Let, what dust-up? With he and Beverly, which I found to be interesting. Oh, well. Because uh, is that what y'all call physical? I was surprised I that Steph Curry got upset with Beverly it wasn't physical. It's just well, when you're when you're wide open, your whole life. If somebody comes near you, you can feel their breath on you. You get upset. I understand yes. that. I mean, that's just the kind of stuff. You know, that's a flag for us. We see, and it's just like really. We will continue to talk about this. Um... That's just the beginning. You know, just one game for each series. Uh, As this moves forward, things will become more exciting. It's just the first round. So uh, with that, everybody, thanks for staying with us throughout this episode. And we'll catch you next time. Listen to Connoisseurs of Sport every Monday at dailydynamic.com.